Would you like to count us down? In five, four, three, two. <laughs> oh, it just like got real quiet for a second. <laughs> I was like, was I supposed to put a note? <laughs> That's a strong note to put. Right, here's your turn. <laughs> Go. Your turn. <laughs> I literally can't do that or I'll <laughs> TikTok ruined that song for me because it sounds like the guy from Glee. It's <laughs> <laughs> alright, you'll, you'll do the Sarnikar chant later. The, the who? <laughs> the Sarnikar. <laughs> that, that chant where it's like, I didn't even know that was a chant. I thought the guy was just making a noise. <laughs> it's a it's a chant slash song, whatever it is. I looked it up and said it's the Sardaukar chant. But anyway, welcome to episode fifty-eight, I believe. Santa Mira After Dark. Should I say? Something like that. Rackus after dark. Mm. Jeremy. And I'm Steven. And um, today we'll be discussing uh, the uh, 2021 film Dune, directed by great Denis Villeneuve, which officially makes him a uh, repeat offender on Tamira <laughs> After Dark, uh, joining the likes of uh, James Wan and uh, Richard Kelly. And there's probably a couple other ones we did multiple times. And some. <laughs> yeah, so um so so the movie's kind of interesting to discuss because it's one of the few movies that um I have read the book for prior to uh have seen the movie. And who on the other hand went in like totally blind to anything that Dune is, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I guess it's kind of two different perspectives. But um, I have seen the uh, 1984 version of Dune, which I, I thought was terrible, and I'm glad that uh, David Lynch pretty much disowned that movie because I don't know. I guess there was like studio interference or whatever, and he pretty much jammed the whole book into. Two hours and ten minutes, and it just it just didn't flow well together. Um, but uh, this movie, on the other hand, is half the book and more time than that. So and flew well. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it, it it's interesting because 
like they come out and say right away that it's uh it's dune part one which was not in any of the marketing Mm -mm. and i remember this entire time uh then then villeneuve pretty much told people like this movie has to do well for the sequel to be greenlit and it's uh I guess it was it sure did. It was it was pretty risky pretty risky to go out and just uh part one in your title without like being confirmed that, that there was a sequel. Yeah. Um I guess they are doing a TV series. I have heard that that they're doing like a, a spin-off TV series eventually that Evil Nova is going to be a part of. Um the sequel did get greenlit and um is coming next year. That that would be cool too. Um, Part two is coming out next year. I think eventually he wants to do uh, Dune Messiah, which is the second book. But um, he actually did an interview last week where he said like he's just taking it one step at a time because it's uh, it's a a tall task to uh, try to adapt this book that many people have said was unadaptable for the longest time. What were you going to say? Did you read the second book at all? Oh, I actually ordered it on Amazon last night. So I'm going to, uh, I, I need to brush up on what happened at the end of the first book. Cause it's been a few years since I've, uh, since I've read it. But, um, yeah, I, pl- I, I plan on like, I'll probably like read, some summary of what happens in the last half of the first book and then jump into the second book. Mm. But I, I go through these phases where I, we do a movie on the podcast and then I just like come obsessed with it. And it's like, I have to, um, have to like involve myself in everything that <laughs> everything related to it. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. When we did Dr. Sleep, I read the shining like immediately after we've recorded our Doctor Sleep episode. Um, when we did Southland Tales, I read the comic books that, so. Um, I don't know how far I'm going to go into book series, because, I mean, it, it is a lot to take in, and the book treats you like fully aware of <laughs> what all these different terms are. And, uh, no, we'll see. I mean, like doing the dictionary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, what do we think of the 2021 version of Dune? I enjoyed. Um, it, it's probably it's probably top ten of 2021. It's it's probably in my top three, I think. Um, it's just like. I don't know. I feel like you have to be in the mood to watch Dune because it, it's just so heavy on exposition and yeah, it's it's similar to the books in the way where it doesn't treat you like you're dumb, but it it also teaches you in like a smart way without like kind of dumbing it down because Paul Atreides, who is our main character, he's learning all of these dune terms like the the sand block and what a shy halut is <laughs> and as he's learning this like we're learning it as well so I, I did like that element where 
it's um that we're kind of educational educational for all involved yeah um it's uh probably i mean i have to be in the mood for it but like i i feel like i can watch this probably for the rest of my life because it was not every (laughs) day but but uh especially like because i remember we watched this in theaters i looked over to you like an hour in and i was like i was like thinking like oh this this movie is not for him (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just i I think i I dozed i think i dozed for a second oh lord theater didn't doze off but i remember like it it's slow at times and then it gets like it picks up speed and then like i mean i i guess like the only complaint i would have is that it suffers from not really having a climax at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. because they have that like uh that fight on Arrakis with the the Fremen and uh, Paul, but it's like just a simple fight. It's not like like there's even just there's not even like a, a, a loud score with it. It's just like quiet. Yeah. The climax is probably like when the Harkonnen attack um, the Atreides on Arrakis. And like, if you look at the clock, there's still like 45 minutes left in the movie. So like, <laughs> the, the the climax almost takes place like not even in the third act. And I think that that might be where it suffers, and it might have lost people. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I I loved it. So um, it it's also cool to see the. Like some of the stuff that Denis Villeneuve has taken from his past movies, like especially Arrival and Blade Runner, like you could tell those were kind of like tryouts to make this, like make Dune, because this was very much a passion project for him. Because he said that he, him and his friend made storyboards for certain scenes of Dune when he was 14. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's like a lifelong fan. Yeah. I remember hearing like interviews from him, and he's pr- pretty much said that like he feels like this was what he was uh, like put on Earth to do is to is to make this. And I'm glad that despite being in a pandemic and everything, that this movie like was financially successful, and a lot of people seem to enjoy it. And I'm hoping that it kind of uh comes like this generation's harry potter or like lord of the rings or star wars or something like that yeah we need a new um franchise yeah because we're really running dry with those superhero films so we need something to kind of Mm. something something new i think so i can handle some superhero i mean batman's a, a, a different example but yeah because that's kind of a new thing but like the marvel thing's been going on for 15 years now and it's like refreshing to see a a different franchise come in and be successful from the get-go and have a bright future yeah because they still rely on the oh this is coming up next 
Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I didn't understand with people saying they they didn't really like this because I I guess one of the complaints was that this movie's slow because Zendaya's not in it very much, even though she was promoted heavily. And it's like, if you just be patient, she's in the next movie, so. Yeah. Like, her character is uh, is very prominent in the second half of the book. But she's going to be in the next movie a lot. She, like was, that... there. she was there to smile. <laughs> and Pretty much. <laughs> but, like, that was a complaint that, like, you know, they promoted Zendaya to, to put her in the movie to just kind of promote the next movie but like if you watch those marvel movies like all they do is promote like the next six movies yeah it's like if if it's acceptable for them to kind of save stuff for future movies like i think i think dune is very much in the right to kind of take its time and just build up the story because yeah i agree like i i think that there's I guess it depends which version of the book you buy. But I think the version I have is like 700 pages. Mm. And it's like... like it, There's just so much information thrown in there, and it's like... You you can't make this like a two-and-a-half-hour... Like, you can't make that a two-and-a-half-hour movie and expect it to flow smoothly, because you'll be flying through things that needed to take its time. Yeah, um, they actually did make a mini series of Dune in two thousand on Sci Fi that I have heard mixed things about. I'm interested in checking it out? It's only three episodes. Um, I mean, I guess it's similar to like the It mini series, except it's like oh. an hour and a half longer than that. <laughs> but I mean, I am interested in checking <clears throat> that out. Yeah, there, there was no way this was going to work out in such a, a short. There's, there, I'm sorry, there's no way the story would have been able to, to translate into such a short movie. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we can go through the plot and we'll have our thoughts as we go along. Um, so bear with us as we try to uh, you know, translate terms and everything, because you know, we got one person who's... Uh, very new to the universe of Dune, and another person who's just stupid. So, <laughs> so yeah, bear with us as we. Uh, one of my. The one who's new. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it it opens with this message that says, "Dreams are messages from the deep," and that's for the Warner Brothers logo. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even th- know if that meant anything. Yeah, it's um, it does have something to do, do with the movie, but it, it it's just weird that they put that line there, and then it cuts to like the modern Warner Brothers logo. Like, yeah, they, they should have made a special one for Dune, like a Sandy yeah, one. Like this is this is a big uh this this is a big IP, and you're just gonna have that message, and then just cut to like the Warner Brothers logo. In like a lot of Hollywood, <laughs> yeah, they should have made a Sandy one or something. Yeah. So, 
the the movie like it it starts out with uh her name's uh Chani who is uh Zendaya's character and she's kind of giving us this uh exposition about the planet of Arrakis and she says that Arrakis is beautiful during the day but at night the uh, Harkonnens have waged war on them for years because they're there to um harvest this uh spice which is used i mean i guess it's used as a drug for the, the fremen who uh who are like locals on arrakis mm-hmm. and at um at, yeah at, at night the harkonnen harvest this and they've also waged war and they kill many of the fremen because i guess they want to like keep arrakis to themselves or something i'm not sure if that's the idea that's what i, I got out of it yeah, but they. Yeah, so, so the Harkonnens are just a bunch of uh, petty jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I do like um, uh, what's his name? Uh, shoot, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Let me look him up real quick. Batista. Is... No, not Batista. <laughs> uh, Ger- Gurney Halleck, who's played by Joss Joss Brolin. Um. He has that line where he's talking to Paul later on, and he he, he says that the Harkonnen are brutal, and just the way he says that is like it, I don't know, just the way he delivers that line, it just like gives me like bad vibes. Like, oh, maybe maybe they are brutal. <laughs> um, did you did you catch that? It's the scene where he's where he's training um, he's training Paul. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so um, one day the um, and I, I guess the, the Fremen have won. I don't know if the Fremen want to leave Arrakis or if they want the Harkonnen to leave. I think they wanted the Harkonnen to leave. But um, one day the uh, Harkonnen do leave and they're, they're like kicked off of the planet. They got the big boot. Yeah, by the Emperor who eventually has gifted the planet to the Atreides, who are, who are protagonists of this story. and um, So that's good. <laughs> so so, so we'll, cu- we'll cut back to uh, Arrakis later on. But, um, and then this is where the movie opens up with Dune Part 1, which we already said. I'm glad that um, they had the balls to put Part 1 in there. Knowing that, uh, not knowing if they were gonna ever get a sequel, because it would have been embarrassing. To uh, just a little. That's like um, how like um, it chapter one ends. Like when it opens, it's just called it, but then at the end, it's called chapter one. Yeah, I think he already knew that was greenlit. I mean, that movie would have been. Like that was on the verge of being successful anyway, because yeah, yeah, you know, like that, that's a that was a remake that people were kind of pushing for for years. So uh, we open up on the year uh, ten thousand one hundred and ninety-one. Um, so very very far off into the future. Yeah, we are eight thousand years from now. And if you were wondering why there are no computers or anything, and everything is kind of like. Uh, like 
Egyptian times where you know people lived in like stone houses and everything. It is because, according to the book, uh, years ago, uh, humans have fought with androids, and uh, they they kind of like wiped out computers, and that is why we're kind of like, I guess, living off the land again. Back to the old days. Yeah, and it, it's like they are. Uh, they they kind of keep humans that are like similar to computers. Like there's that one guy who rolls his eyes in the back of his head, and he's almost mm-hmm. like a, cal- a calculator. So they do have people like that, but that's like the closest that you'll get to finding a like, a, a, like any type of computer in this movie, aside from like the ships and whatnot. So, which is cool. So yeah, uh, we're we're on Caladan, which is home of House Atreides. Uh, we meet our protagonist, uh, Paul, who's played by Timothy Chalamet, who I found out prior to this recording is 26 years old, and mm-hmm. Paul Atreides in the book is supposed to be 15. So I don't know if he's playing young, or if they just bumped Paul's age up a little bit. I thought they bumped his age up to like almost an adult, like maybe 17, 18. Yeah, I was thinking like around there, like in between 17 and 20. Yeah. I, think he, I think Timothy Chalamet plays young, but I don't think he plays that young. Yeah. He, he yeah, also, he also, he was like a young adult. He, he also probably was only 23 or 24 when they filmed this. So, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what they do with like the aging process because I'm not sure. And I guess he is an adult, so he's probably not going to look that much older. It's not like the kids of it who aged over the course of two years. And they had the CGI on a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so I'm curious how that's going to work. But because I mean. Uh, we might have a case of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man where Andrew Garfield <laughs> has just turned 30 and is playing 17, 18 years old. But, um... So we yeah, meet... Uh, yeah. So we meet uh, Lady Jessica, who is uh, Paul Atreides' mother, played by uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who's having a uh, great career, I think. She was in Doctor Sleep. Um, among She played... Um, Girl with the hat. I can't remember her name. The hat. Yeah, I think I actually her her name has hat in it. I know that. But anyway, uh, Rose Rose the hat. Yes, that's it. But um, Lady Jessica is trying to get Paul it's to a, learn. She's in the Greatest Showman too. Yeah, she was. Mm. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's having a very very good career. And the but, snowman. Um, she's doing it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the snowman is probably a, a miss, but um, big so, miss. So, so uh, Lady Jessica belongs to the Benny Gesserit, which are uh, pretty much the group of powerful women. Who, um, I mean, I guess you could say they're witches, even though, for lack of a better um, term, they're they're witches, but they're not like. I, I guess they're not evil witches. They're magical women. Well, the um, superior seems pretty evil. Some of them have their um, 
like ulterior motives. I but, sure uh, wasn't ulterior one tear. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's a Benny Gesserit, and uh, she's trying that to. Sounds get Paul so offensive. <laughs> a Benny Gesserit. Like, shut up, you Benny Gesserit. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, I guess, it's all. Uh, I can't talk. It's actually a compliment, I think, because it's like, oh, you're a powerful woman. <laughs> Even in the movie, like later on, when he was, when his dad was arguing with her, he was like, I'm not asking you as, or I'm asking the Benny Gesserit. <laughs> I'm not asking his mom. And I was like, oh, it's offensive. <laughs> I, like, I like that line he has later on where uh, Paul is like, you Benny Gesserit made me a freak. Yeah. But, um, See? It's, it's very offensive. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start bringing um, Dune terms into my, my real-life vocabulary and just start offending people. <laughs> like, no mama's so fat, she looks like the Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> just see, just see like who who catches on to my to my references. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> or like if so, if someone's walking funny, you you'll be like, what are, what are you trying not to attract a shy halud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, I I don't know. I don't know who would even catch on to those references, but. I'm gonna start bringing it into my regular vocabulary, but um, I like it. But anyway, um, yeah. So so she's trying to teach him like ben, the Benny Gesserit ways. We find out later on. I mean, I guess we can kind of jump ahead a little bit, but we find she's out. She's do it right there in breakfast time. Yeah, because he has this line where where he's like, "I just woke up, and you want me to <laughs> to talk you to me, you yeah. through mind control." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess, do all this in I the morning. Not, yeah, I guess it's not mind control, but it's like just voice. use the voice. Yeah, it's a voice that you can use telepathically. It's kind of like mind control because you have somebody do something for you. Mm-hmm. So we learned that um, later on that he has Benny Gesserit powers, which is like. I guess men aren't supposed to have these powers. And what what happened was the Bene Gesserit did like these experiments and it was supposed to produce this like very powerful woman, but Lady Jessica ended up having a boy and How dare she? It's it's like this odd situation where like the the leader of House Atreides also has Benny Gesserit powers, so it's like. I mean, I, I I guess he like they mentioned the the. Uh, I'm I'm gonna try it. The Kizach Hadarak. Which, Ooh, um, that's a tough one. Which I think is, uh, I guess. No, no 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 they don't mention it. It's in the second part. It's it's going to be in the second part. It's called the Muad'Dib, which is. Uh, Paul's... I was say, I didn't learn this. <laughs> yeah. They do mention the Kizach Hadarak in the first part, but the Muad'Dib is in is what Paul eventually becomes because it's like when you take a life, you also like lose yourself. So it's like he gets this title as 
Muad'Dib, which is like the most. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of like the most powerful, the most iconic person yeah. in the land. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot so, where we were first. We're at Arrakis. No, no, not yet. So, um, <laughs> I've I've looked up the meaning of Muad Muad'Dib, and it says if. If you've ever wondered about the appropriateness of Dune hero Paul Muad'Dib's chosen name, Muad'Dib means kangaroo mouse in the Fremen tongue. See, that sounds offensive too. It does. Yeah, but I mean, we're jumping ahead to a movie that's not even filming yet, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anyway, he has these powers where he can like telepathically talk to. Um, he could telepathically talk to people and Lady Jessica kind of like brushes off this she like pretends that she she's not impressed by what he's done because she said that it takes years to learn but in reality like he already has mastered these uh, th these Bene Gesserit ways without even knowing it yeah um and then we cut to Paul and his uh, he's a critic so we cut to Paul in his bedroom, and he's uh, learning about Arrakis. He's like studying with this like projector thing, and uh, you know we kind of learn about the Fremen who live on Arrakis. Um, they have grown uh, pretty much grown immune to the heat, and they have blue eyes from all the spice, and um, they live amongst the uh, the Shia Halud, which are these big sandworms. And um, you have to walk without rhythm when you get into the worm territory because the worms are attracted to rhythm. And as we learn later, when they come up and uh, try to kill or try to, to feed on whatever is walking, it uh, doesn't end well because these things are massive. Yes, and, they are. Uh, and yeah. Um, it's also interesting to, to learn the amount of... Um, I guess um, it's where I'm looking for, like, with successful ideas is what I'm saying. The amount of successful ideas that were taken from Dune and put into other uh, properties, like, there's a lot of Star Wars in here, which George Lucas should have been sued, but um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, Tremors is one, the, the sandworms. Uh, Beetlejuice has sandworms, so it, it's interesting to see um, like all the things that were taken from Dune and put into other the other inspiration because I, before we did the recording I saw like it's like a two and a half minute video of a bunch of Dune references in pop culture and like before the movie even came out yeah clearly but <laughs> I, mean, I, th I think we we missed the the Dune hype because we were so we were born in 1994 and I feel like a lot of people born between like maybe the sixties and the nineties, like I think Dune was made for them because they had the book series coming out and then in nineteen eighty four they had the movie come out. So I feel like we we missed the Dune hype because uh, Frank Herbert died and his son ended up taking over for novels, but they haven't been as successful. 
But um, yeah. So uh, speaking of, we're going to be doing a podcast on uh, <laughs> every Dune novel was Stephen's what? idea. <laughs> was it a real idea? <laughs> uh, one one novel a week. So you better get to reading, Stephen. So, um. Maybe we're not doing that idea, but so spice is also used for space travel, which is why it makes it so valuable, and why the Harkonnen and you know, like the, the Sardaukar and the Atreides are uh, very fond of this spice. It's also used as a drug to get you high. So and many uses for this spice. You can do anything with it. Yeah. So uh, we meet Paul's father. Played by Oscar Isaac, uh, the Duke Lake, Duke Leto Atreides, and he's gifted. My lord. Yes, he is gifted Arrakis by the Emperor. Imagine and, if he was just gifted a whole planet. <laughs> yeah, here's here's a whole planet. There's sandworms there. There's also a colony of people there that are angry because they're getting wiped out by this other planet. Only so, have fun. They're probably not going to like you either because they're. They don't know. <laughs> I, I do like the uh like the, the idea of uh Duke Leto trying to make friends with the Fremen and make up for what the Harkonnen have done to them. I thought that was a, a cool twist. Yeah. But I mean rightfully so, the the Fremen are suspicious of this whole operation. Um shouting. Well, that's later on in the movie, but they're shouting upon arrival. Uncomfortable <laughs> stuff. Uh, I don't know exactly what they said, but <laughs> yeah, I forget the I forget the slang, but I uh, I, I think it's on IMDb. I'll look it up in a minute. But it wasn't pretty. <laughs> is that what they're chanting at Paul? Yeah, they're like. They're kind of saying that he's the chosen one because they're aware of this, um, like ultra being that Paul is, but uh -huh. and like I guess they have like the awakening from the spice to know that he has Benny Jesuit powers and he's also like can see past and future and present, but so. Um, anyway, uh, Paul is standing with uh, Gurney Halleck and uh, this guy, I'm going to try it, uh, Thufer Hawat, who, <laughs> um, who, who who rolls his eyes in the back of his head to, to calculate. It, it's, it's really strange. He's like, he's like, how much did, did this trip cost? And he rolls his eyes back and is able to give a number. So he's like a human calculator. That's what I need. So uh, the emperor, the, the emperor asks um, the Duke Leto if they accept Arrakis, and they go through this uh, big chant among the Atreides land, where um, they just chant Atreides real loud, and then yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we meet Duncan Idaho, who is played by uh, Jason Momoa. I, uh, is he ever? What's that? Is he ever? I like the um, the relationship that him and, and Paul have. Kind of like it's very yeah. nice and very um, 
sincere. I couldn't think of the right word. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're supposed to have like a they're supposed to have a very formal relationship, but they actually have like a like a big brother little brother relationship. Yeah. So so I thought that was cool. Um so uh Duncan Idaho is going to Arrakis tomorrow to live amongst the Fremen and make friends with them. Um Paul, and Paul is like, don't want you to go because I had a dream about you and like I, I see you with the Fremen and you end up dead. <laughs> and um he, he or no, 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 I'm sorry. He uh Paul is like, I need to come with you. He's not trying to convince him not to go. He's like, I have to come with you. And yeah. he he's like he's like feel like you would have lived if I was there. And uh, Duncan Idaho has this line that is uh, not in the the book, but he says, uh, dreams make good stories, but everything important happens while we're awake. And I... Um, oh. <laughs> that's why that line at the beginning of the movie uh, definitely ties into actual movie, and it's not just something random like that uh, dreams or messages from the deep or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it does tie into this movie because Paul the is getting... The disrespect that I showed it. I know. So... <laughs> so he pretty much says, no, you can't come with me, I'm going. And then, uh, you know, he goes. Um, uh, the, the Duke Leto is at, like, a, a graveyard looking at, like, the, the fallen Atreides, I guess. And uh, Paul is like, I, I need you to... Uh, or Paul is like, I need to go with... I need to go to Arrakis to live amongst the Fremen because because uh, the Atreides are in danger. Well, no, but... <laughs> What'd you say? Because Duncan's doing it, too. Pretty much. That's and... also because they're in danger. Yeah, um... Duke Leto says something like that he can't go because he needs Paul by his side because they're going to face political danger. Which I don't know which Ooh. one's worst. Like, if you think you could fix people from dying, or if you could fix political danger, I'm not sure which one's worse. I'll just go live with the Freeman. Yeah. Um, and and they do make a, a line that says that Duncan was um, sent to live amongst the Fremen to cultivate desert power. Which, um, <laughs> I guess we learned later on that desert power is just people riding sandworms. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I think very early on in the 1984 version of Dune, we see someone riding a sandworm. We don't see it until the end of this movie. I thought that was kind of unique but um yeah so uh, we find out that Paul does not want to lead House Atreides and um because I guess the Duke Leto tells him like you're going to be um you're going to be the head of House Atreides and he says he he doesn't want to do it and then I don't blame him the Duke Leto says a great man doesn't seek to lead he's called to it and answers He's he he pretty much confirms to him that even if he doesn't um, 
even if he doesn't answer answer to it, he's still going to love him because he says you're everything I needed to be, which is my son. So a lot of uh, a lot of heartfelt moments here early on in Dune. That's what I like to see. Mm-hmm. So, oh. uh, Gurney Halleck uh, goes to Paul's room to kind of uh, train with him. Uh, he has this line where he says, "Never stand with your back toward the door." And um, you know they're they're going through sparring session. They have these like cool shield ish things and like training yeah. devices where. Like, even if you, I guess if you, like, hold a blade up to somebody, it'll tell you if the wound is going to be fatal. Yeah, I guess it only works so much, though, because later on in the movie, we see people die while they're using them. Oh, I don't know if it's a shield, per se. Shield-ish. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure, because Duncan Idaho definitely turns it on later and then gets killed, so. <laughs> yeah, so did the duke yeah but um yeah so uh gurney Halleck is sparring with him and he like uh, he like could land a fatal blow on paul and paul is like i guess i'm just not in the mood this is where gurney Halleck has that line where he's like you never met the harkonnens they're brutal and it's like <laughs> like yeah yeah i get it <laughs> i'm like calm down <laughs> <laughs> and then uh I guess Paul kind of gets in the mood and he ends up uh, like that, but he ends up beating uh, Gurney in a fight. And then but he beats him, but he also he would have joined him in death. Yes, correct. Um, yeah, so we move on to the next scene. We are uh, now on, uh, would you like to, to name this planet? Would you like to give it a try? Um. <laughs> Was it okay. Guidy Prime? Yes, something like that. Like Guidy Prime. Home. Yeah. Um, we meet um, Batista. Um, I, can't, I didn't even get his name. We meet Batista. His name is uh, Rabon, I think. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm glad he had a much bigger role in this than he did in previous Denis Villeneuve film. Yeah, even though he doesn't really show much of him in here either. Now, I have a slight issue with villains in some of movies like this. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's like this, Star Wars, and Marvel, and even Justice League, where we just get scenes of the villains and they're talking to each other. I'm like, I don't really know what's going on here yeah like their motives are never really clear and they're just kind of i i, I you know agree with you. you know they're evil i i agree with you because i was also confused because like the they were gifted or the the atreides were gifted arrakis and uh tista's character is angry about the um Atreides getting the planet. But Rightfully so, in a way, I guess. The Baron Harkonnen acts like it's all part of the plan. And they're going to die on Arrakis anyway. Yeah. We're going to get it right back. And I think that was the plan. Now, wh- what I think is that the Emperor knew that 
the Atreides had these powers, and they per- like the Emperor purposely put the Atreides on Arrakis to die. And I think the Harkonnen were aware of that. I I think that's uh-huh. what's, what's going on, but I'm not 100% sure. Forgive me if I'm wrong. <laughs> and uh, just correct me. I'll, uh, I'll gladly admit to being wrong. But I think that's the idea. Because it reminds me of, like, I don't even know his name, but the bald one in one of the Marvel movies. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. Where he's just, like... An angry villain, or he's like a not even angry, but like. What movie are you talking about? I honestly I don't even know because Marvel movies all blend yeah. together. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I with guess, the... um, Steppenwolf and Joss Whedon's Justice League. Yeah, it, it's just like it, like it, they talk, but it's like. I'm it's not kind of, yeah, too it's, sure it, what they're saying. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like here's your bad guys, here's them doing bad guy things. Yeah. And now back to the the heroes because that's that's pretty much what we do. Cuz um yeah, cuz uh, Vladimir Harkonnen has this line where it, it's like kind of a hint that um Emperor might not have given um Rackus to the Atreides as a gift cuz he says something like when is a gift not a gift? So th- that's why I got the vibe that the Emperor knew that uh, Paul was like this special being. Yeah. And he sent them there to die. And um, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so we cut to the next scene. Uh, it's Paul Atreides just in his bed sleeping. And Lady, Je- Lady Jessica has the nerve to wake him up at like three in the morning to do this. <laughs> this, this giant test. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, get dressed. The the head of the Benny Gesserit is here. And it's like, why did she get here at 3 a.m.? Why couldn't she have waited till morning? Do you um, want to say what her name is? <laughs> um, I would have to find it because... Is it Reverend Mother Mohayim? Mohayim. <laughs> so, something like that, yeah. <coughs> I actually did not write her name down. I didn't... I took notes. I didn't take her name down because I just... I just call her Benny Gesserit Superior. I actually think that's what I have eventually, too. But yeah, so she apparently is aware of Paul's dreams. And... I don't know who told her. Well, she might have told herself because she's magical. (laughs) I think it's just because he's Lady Jessica's son. Yeah. They planned for him, for her to have a daughter who would have these dreams. I think that's what the idea is. Oh, yeah, she's very mad. Mm-hmm. Later on in the movie. Yeah, so this is where we're introduced to Dr. Wellington Yui, who, um... Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just... That guy. <laughs> he's, he's just the doctor of, <laughs> of uh, the Atreides, I guess. And, um... He checks Paul's vitals because he has to go through a, a vital test or whatever. And he speaks in a different language to Paul. Uh, he pretty much says that, I forget his exact words, but he pretty much says that the Bene Gesserit have ulterior motives and they only think for themselves. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they... Ironically, coming from him. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, we we learn later on that Benny Gesserit are not the only ones that think for themselves. So uh, the the Benny Gesserit superior forces Paul to kneel, and it's this like I guess it's like this ritual where they have to he has to put his hand in this box that is just supposed to be like excruciating pain and she holds a needle to his neck called the, the gom jabar yes the gom jabar and i guess if he pulls out uh pause he gets stabbed in the neck and it's like instant death i remember reading the book they never really explained what a gom jabar is they just kept talking about it and i'm like I just get like a, a brief description of what a Gomjabar is because <laughs> <laughs> it's like all you have to do is say that the Gomjabar is a needle of death. That's all it is. Because that's kind of what the Bene Gesserit superior does. She holds it up to his neck and is like, This is the Gomjabar. It's instant death. Yeah, and that's all. Um, so. He, uh, he he somehow manages to withstand the pain that's in this box. Um, I do like how it's kind of left to our imagination as to what exactly the pain box is, because in the 1984 version, they show his hand burning. Uh-huh. And then in this one, we don't even see what's going on in there. It, it's just... It's almost like nothing really did happen in there. It's mm-hmm. all like... Mind... Yeah, because yeah, he pulls out his hand and it's fine. And it was just like pretty much like a mind trick where it's like, you know, you get to experience this incredible pain by putting your hand in a box. It's, re- it's real strange. So uh, she wants to know about his dreams and he tells her that he sees a girl on Arrakis and it's like pretty offensive scene because she's just like not impressed and uh, sh- she leaves and then lectures Lady Jessica about uh, Having wasting, a yeah, wasting the, all these powers on a boy and sh- she says something like that he'll die out there or something or he might die and then she just leaves and Paul ends up overhearing this and you know he's I mean, rightfully so. He's like, what? What the heck was that? <laughs> um, like, why might I die? Yeah. And she explains that the Benny Gesserit have been going through a breeding process to try to uh, create a woman who can see both past and future to create a better future. And since he's having dreams about seeing people on Arrakis, like obviously that the. Any Jesuit power that was supposed to be in a daughter is in him. Um, there could be a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the Atreides are going to Arrakis. Um, we get like a montage of them packing up. Uh, it's it's really strange how bullfighting found its way to Arrakis because, or uh, to Caladan because when the Duke Leto is packing up his things, he has like a giant bullhead. Yeah. And that bullhead makes an appearance over multiple times, so it, uh, I don't know, it's just weird that bullfighting was able to to carry on for 8,000 years into the future. 
Maybe he found it somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> so there's like a um a ceremony on Arrakis to to welcome the Atreides here. Um I actually did write down in the notes what they are chanting. Uh would you like to would you like to say it or do you want me to say it? I didn't even write that part down and or what they were saying. The the Fremen are chanting Lisan al Gaib, which uh, roughly translates to Messiah, and uh, they they pretty much know that Paul is a, a special being. Pretty much, um, I also see the uh, Thropters for the first time, which is pretty much like just like a, a dragonfly. Yeah, which I thought was cool. I, I did see people complaining about them, saying like no one would build this. I but, like. like that. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were pretty cool. And it's like... They're, oh they're, they're very mobile, too. I mean, I, I don't think we could make those now and have them be successful, but 8,000 years into the future, I feel like, you know, there might be a chance to have dragonfly copters. I feel like they'd create a lot of turbulence with all of the shaking. Yeah. yeah. They might. <laughs> So, uh, there's this really beautiful shot of the uh, of the city that they're staying at, and it reminded me of those shots in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, when they're kind of like when Ryan Gosling is like driving his car above the city and everything. Uh-huh. It reminded me a lot of that. Um, there's this. I mean, it it pretty much goes to nowhere, but I took notes of it anyway. There's this shot of uh, the Duke Leto talking to Gurney about the moon. Because on this planet, there are two moons. And I think there's like, maybe there's buildings on the moon or something, but it looks like a hand. And they say that it's the hand of God. But um, it turns out it's actually messing with their comm system. So it, it like messes up like their compasses and stuff. I like that look of two moons, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars also stole that, but uh-huh. um, <laughs> but I mean, they mentioned that it's messing with their comm system, but I took it as the Harkonnens were the ones who were messing with it, and the Atreides just are wrongly thinking that the moon is doing that. Um, yeah. So. Uh, we cut to uh, Lady Jessica, who is hiring a house lady to, uh, you know, I guess keep up with maintenance around the, around the house. I guess, <laughs> and she goes through like a line of people, and the scene's very very strange. Yeah, because she dismisses all of these ladies, and she keeps one, and she's like, "I know you have a weapon," and. She like, because she's a she's a fremen, and I guess none of the other ladies were fremen. And I guess through through Benny Gesserit ways, she's able to tell that she has a weapon, and this lady tells her the weapon isn't to be used against you. It's for like, uh, like That's it's for her. It, it, it's it's a <laughs> gift, pretty much. Yeah, and. Uh, turns out the uh, 
it's a dagger that is actually made from the tooth of a Shia Halud. And I'm not sure why, but she moans and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the moaning. It's, I, I, I guess that, I guess that she knows that, uh, uh what is it? The least on El Gaib is here. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting times on Arrakis. Yeah. So. Why not moan? <laughs> so she pretty much uh, gets hired as housekeeper after all of this. And I would be like, well, if you're going to moan like that. Never mind. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean up that mess by myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's the next scene is a shot of Paul walking outside. And we see some more Fremen uh, yelling, uh, Lisa and El Gaib, at Paul through the fence. Um, this is where we're introduced to the sacred palm trees. Um, the the gardener is just watering these palm trees, and he like rubs it in their face, or he he kind of rubs it in Paul's face, and he's like, "These are the sacred palm trees. They they use enough water to to give to." Uh, Five men or whatever. I mean, I got so, something like that. And there's there's five, a lot of water. There's five trees, and Paul makes a good point, and it's just like, well, why don't I, or why don't we get rid of the trees and just give the water to the people? Like that makes sense. And he's just like, no, these are sacred trees. And yeah, just why? They sure are. So. <laughs> so uh we go to uh Paul's bedroom and he has like these like beautiful portraits of Arrakis on his wall like the the sandworm is on there and uh-huh. it's really neat and he's learning how to sandwalk yeah and some of uh about some of the Arrakis creatures as well um like that little mouse that shows up later on Oh yeah. Um, and then it's like this weird little like bug thing that goes into his room. And oh, yeah. a hunter seeker. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I'm not exactly sure how this thing would kill anybody. Maybe it's poisonous or something. Yeah, I felt like it would just stab them or something, and there would be. Kind of like what happened to his dad, where he got paralyzed. Yeah, like a dart. Yeah, I figured it'd be something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it like slowly comes into Paul's room, and he notices that it's there. And um, <laughs> me when a spider comes in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, it, it it it's like a it's like a assass- it's like an assassination attempt, I guess. <laughs> That's exactly what a spider attack feels like. Yeah, you're not wrong. So <laughs> he ends up just like grabbing the this hunter thing and ends up uh, like crushing yeah, it. Yeah, it almost killed the um, lady that came in his room. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so then it 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 just cuts to like a big panic in the I guess the hallway or something where the Duke Leto is like. 
you know, someone tried to assassinate my son, and like, where is security? Like, no one did anything. Like, how could you let this happen? And um, yeah, so um, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. The, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the, the the human calculator guy ends up trying to resign, and the Duke Leto is like, "Why would you quit? I need like, <laughs> that's would, so why funny. Would, like, why would you quit now? You know." So. He was like, immediately tries to leave. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, oh, like, out. he's like, you have my resignation. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we cut back to um, the the land of the Harkonnen. I forget the name already, but it's like this odd scene. Be, that, um, yeah, it's like. The head of the Bene Gesserit is talking to uh, Vladimir, to the to the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Did and, you see that pet spider? Yeah, I actually saw a like a, a kind of a, a concept art of that spider, mm-hmm. and it's it like has a human face. It's very bizarre. Like you can't That's tell. That's how you know not to trust her. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like you, you can't really see it in the movie, but I, I guess it does have a human face. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess the head of the Bene Gesserit pretty much makes the uh, Harkonnens promise to not, not harm the Atreides or not harm Paul and Jessica. I guess. Yeah. And um, we we find out that the the Baron Harkonnen is like kind of uh, manipulative because he he says that he won't harm them, but then like later on we learn that it, it's almost like when when Batman lets uh, Razai Ghul die at the end of Batman Begins, uh-huh. like, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you, and then just let him die. And it's like if you put the Atreides in the desert, like, obviously they're going to die. So technically we didn't kill them, we just left them to die. So... Throw them out the airplane. Yeah. So, uh, back on Arrakis, uh, Thurfer breaks the news that uh, the Harkonnen have uh, sabotaged a lot of the equipment on Arrakis, so they uh, pretty much set them up to fail. Because, um... You know, as we learned, they are uh, very petty people. Uh, that's actually the guy's name, who's the human calculator. His name's uh, Thurfer, I guess. Mm-hmm. So uh, Duncan Idaho returns from living with the Fremen. Um, he kind of uh, tells uh, tells the Atreides that the Fremen live in these things called, uh, I think they're called sieges, which are kind of like just underground bunkers. And it's, I mean, I, mean, I guess they only predicted there was like 10,000 Fremen on this planet, but like among these these sieges, there's like millions. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, oh, obviously. They're cool. <laughs> yeah, obviously he did not die from uh living amongst the fremen but um 
yeah so we meet uh we meet stilgar who uh he, he's definitely a fremen he comes in to kind of voice his uh displeasure with the atreides for being on this planet because they think that it's going to be like the harkonnen situation where they end up uh trying to like wage war on the fremen because like, i got the i got the vibe that the harkonnen kind of treated it as like hunting where it's like they just had fun with killing and you know like attacking yeah. attacking fremen at night um yeah they just kill for no reason or whatever so stilgar shows up and he spits on the duke's table <laughs> And uh, Duncan Idaho, he, he says something like, thank you for the body's moisture. <laughs> and, and he spits on the table as well. It's like one of the very few uh, signs of humor in this movie because it does play itself very seriously. Yeah. But, uh, like oh, Duncan. Dun Duncan Idaho and um, Gurney Halleck are like the two, uh, the two people who delivered like some small resemblances of comedy in this movie um so so stilgar pretty much wants to make a deal and he's like you know you guys can stay here but we don't we just want to be left alone we don't want to be hunted again and uh, duke leto confirms that they won't be hunted and i mean i guess they kind of just reach a deal but as stilgar is going to leave he tells paul i recognize you and uh, I think Paul actually offers uh, him a place to stay to, and he just mm -hmm. says no, and he leaves and says, I recognize you. Um, yeah, so now we I'm meet... Sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we meet... Um, her name is Liet Kynes. Liet, and... Yeah, yeah. Kynes or Keens or something. Yeah. Um, they were so brutal to her. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's very weird because she's like their trainer on this planet and they just treat her like garbage. <laughs> um, yeah, because she like all she like all she does is give them their still suits, which is supposed to keep them alive because it recycles their water. So like any type of sweat or like tea or anything just gets recycled and you can drink it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which I think I'd rather die. <clears throat> it might not be as bad as it sounds. At least I... in that suit. <laughs> I don't think it goes through a filter device, because later on when uh, Jessica and Paul are in the tent, she drinks something and then realizes that it doesn't taste good. And Paul is like, yeah, that's just recycled sweat. <laughs> sweat and tears. Oh. But, um... Yeah, so so she's pretty much getting them ready in their still suits, and as she approaches the Duke Leto, uh, Gurney just immediately pulls a knife on her. That's ridiculous. It, yeah, it's like all she's doing is getting you guys prepared. You're gonna pull a freaking knife on her. Um. <laughs> yeah. So so like we said, the idea behind the suit is to, um, like recycle your water and like recycle your sweat and your pee. Uh, she notices that Paul um, 
did something with his still suit to where he put it on perfectly. Yeah. And I guess like one of the hints at this uh Lisan El Gaib is that he will he will know your ways as if he was born into it. And yeah, it's like he just put on his pants the proper way. And it's like, oh he's the Messiah. <laughs> that, um, that, that's a way to find out. Yeah. So put your pants on the right way. <laughs> So they take a dragonfly out to the spice mining operation. Uh, Kynes is teaching them about worms. And I think Paul notices a worm in the distance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you have a good eye for this. And I guess like that is a sign that he could be the Messiah too. And it's also like, no, he kind of just saw a giant he worm. He looked over and saw it. <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know, he just conveniently saw a giant worm. It's not like you know, this is what the planet's known for. But, um... Yeah, so they have to save these people from this mining operation because the worm is approaching. And, um... Yeah, it's it's like, I guess they have... Uh, like, they don't have enough room for people and people are going to be left behind, so they have to kind of get rid of their luggage. Uh, it's actually very intense, I think. Um, yeah. Because, like, the worm is approaching and... You know, everyone's like scram- scrambling. Uh, the Duke Leto is like, just give up the spice. We got to save the people, which is like probably the opposite of what the Harkonnen would do. Yeah. Um, and Paul ends up jumping out and like trying to guide people toward the uh, the Thropters. And it's it's this cool scene because like as he's hit with the spice, he kind of like. I, I guess he kind of gets a high from it and can, like, see the future. Yeah. And he sees, like, Zendaya's character. Um, is is this the part where he sees the war, or, was, or is that later on? I think he saw himself get stabbed or something. Okay. Yeah, so... He uh, saw the, um... That, um, sword... Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's, he says he'll be gifted a blade, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Gurney ends up grabbing him before he's able to be eaten by this giant worm. And, yeah, it's a, it's this cool scene where they get, they end up getting into the Thropter and taking off, but we see the worm mouth, like, open up, and then the uh, the spice mining operation gets swallowed by this giant worm. Um, Denis Villeneuve has said in uh, the next movie there's a scene involving a giant worm that he can like picture in his head and he said he feels like he was born to uh, to make that scene so <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to uh, he was born to do a lot of things I guess so he's like I don't know I guess he's real excited to do this one particular scene with this giant worm so I don't know, we'll see. So, uh, Dr. Yui seems to think that uh, Paul just had an an allergic reaction to the spice. And um, uh, he says, yeah, Paul is like, well, once Yui leaves, um, he tells uh, Lady Jessica that it wasn't an allergic reaction. And 
you know, he just knows that he saw the future and he apparently he saw Zendaya and he knows that he will be gifted a blade. And uh, he also knows that uh, his mother is pregnant, which is like, I guess it's even news to, uh, you know, Jessica says she's only known for like three weeks or something. Yeah, or it's only been three weeks. Yeah. Um. So this is where we get the scene where you know, might might as well try for a baby when you're moving to a whole different planet. With giant worms, sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we cut to another planet, which is the home of the Sardaukar. This is where we get that uh. Salusa Secundus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you like to do the uh, Sardaukar chant for us? I don't physically think I'm able to. <laughs> hmm. So that's the Sardaukar chant. <laughs> um... You know, not sure what any of that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, gu- I, I guess I thought it was that... some type of alarm. <laughs> it, it's like a ritual because they're like putting things on the the people's heads and everything. So it's like, I don't know. I think it's some kind of ritual. But uh, I, I mean, I guess this scene is pretty much the Harkin and kind of teaming up with the Sardaukar to attack the city on Arrakis. I, I mean, I guess that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, because... Yeah, just more villain um, stuff. Yeah. Uh, because that night, um, there's an attack on this city, on Arrakis. Um, it, it, like... It, like, shows the security getting killed first. And... Uh, the the Duke Leto like kind of gets bad vibes or something, so he like comes out of his room, uh-huh. kind of search to see what's going on. Uh, he calls for security and he tries to like, um, I guess put the, I don't I don't like put the alarm up or something, and nothing happens. So they like shot the security system. Um. Yeah, so he he finds the uh, the housekeeper was stabbed and killed. And then uh, the Duke Leto gets shot with a with a dart that like paralyzes him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And we find out that it is uh, Huey who is the, the traitor, and uh, disgusting. Assuming, assuming he was the one who tried to assassinate Paul earlier on, he had the nerve to. Yeah, so so the Harkonnen and the Sardaukar attack. Um, uh, Gurney like tries to to lead a defense, and it it just doesn't work. Um, th- there's this we- it's this it's this funny shot because the Atreides soldiers like line up to defend, and they all move like in sync with each other. And they just quickly get overrun by <laughs> Harkonnen and the Sardaukar. And it's like, you had this army that was synchronized and everything, and you just got quickly overwhelmed and killed by <laughs> like without even putting up a fight. There's no choreography on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, 
it, it th there's a scene where Yui tells uh, Duke Leto that uh, Harkonnen have his wife, and he needs to kill Duke Leto for uh, for her freedom. But he's like, hey, there's a fake tooth. <laughs> if you if you bite down on this, it will release poison in the air. Make sure you release it near the Baron Harkonnen. And it's like, you know, uh, like you're gonna die, but you know, I'll help you out a little bit. You you could bring the Baron with you. Yeah. Like thanks. Yeah. So. <laughs> Duncan Idaho is like running through the the building and trying to find uh, Jessica and Paul. And when he gets to their room, they're already gone. Um, they've been abducted. Yeah, uh, isn't Batista the one who abducted them? I don't think so. I don't know if he was there or not. Okay. Well, regardless, they they do get abducted. That might have saved him for the second movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. They, I think he was he was the one who took them, but he wasn't on the plane. I think that's what it is. Okay, because he says, um, he says something like, "Let the worms get them," because the, the Baron promised uh, the the Benny Gesserit superior that they wouldn't kill, that they wouldn't harm them, and it's like technically, if we just leave them out there and they die, we didn't do it. That's uh, great. <laughs> yeah. So great so, thing. <laughs> so uh Jessica ends up like they're tied up in the plane and or in like this thropter. And uh Jessica signals to Paul that uh, one of the guys is deaf and he won't be able to hear you if you do the voice. And it it's it's funny because Paul tries to use the Benny Jesuit voice and he's like, Remove my mother's gag. <laughs> he he just gets like punched. <laughs> um, because I mean, I guess it has to be in a certain tone, and yeah. I guess since Paul's a, a a boy, he doesn't have that Benny Gesserit tone. No, not fully. But um, yeah. So uh, Jessica convinces the um one of the three guys to kill the other guy. And then um, I think after that, she ends up getting out and then they end up killing the other two. That's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And the dragonfly ends up crashing. And there, there's this cool shot where they run up uh, a sand dune, no pun intended. And and they can see that the city of uh, it's called it's called Rakeen or Arakeen. Oh. Racken, Racken, whatever, whatever it is, the, like the, the the city's pretty much on fire and it's been destroyed and the sacred palm trees are even on fire. Yeah, I did, I did like that shot too. What a waste! I know. Yeah, so After the all, uh, that water. <laughs> <laughs> all that water went to waste. Not doing any good now. Mm -mm. So yeah, we we cut to like. I guess it's like an office room or something because it has like this giant table and the Duke Leto is just naked sitting on that. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. Just like stripped him. I thought they did that to check him for weapons. 
but he was still paralyzed, so even if he had a weapon, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. And it th there's this, this weird shot where it shows Duke Leto looking up at the, the ceiling and we could see the bullhead hanging from the wall again. And I'm I'm just not sure of the significance behind the bullhead. It must symbolize something, but I'm not sure what it what it is. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So uh, Yui is in the room with uh, the Baron and all these people, and he asks for his wife back. And the Baron pretty much says, "Technically, I said you could join her. I didn't say I would free her." Then he ends up killing him. It's like stupid. Yui, why are you why why are you an idiot? Look, that's what you get. Like this this whole thing <laughs> happened because of him. And he didn't even get what he wanted because technically the Harkonnen lied to him. Yeah. And so, his wife pretty dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, the the Baron goes up to uh, Duke Leto and like I forget exactly what he says but it's kind of like a, just a, a taunt and Duke says here I am here I remain and then he ends up biting the tooth and it, it it's really bizarre because this like, explosion from this tooth <laughs> just like wipes out the entire room yeah, it's like this giant um purple fog. Yeah. Um what we do find out later on that it's killed everybody in the room except for the Baron. So he's still alive. Maybe because he was bigger. That's what I got out of it. That maybe it took maybe it took more for him to die from it. But um so we cut to uh Paul and uh Maybe Jessica in the tent. I mean, I guess they're kind of like staying underground. This weird tent thing. Yeah. And uh, we, I guess Paul has like this device that can kind of scan for spice. And he finds out that there's spice in the tent. And he sees uh, Zendaya again. And it... Uh, like it, it it kind of looks like things are going well, but then it he sees like a he calls it a holy war, so it's like you know, like this this big battle, I guess, is what he sees. Oh yeah, the one he was a part of. Yeah, and he's he's like terrified of the future, which I can relate to, and he um, can't we all. <laughs> And he, um, this is where he snaps on his mother and is like, you Benny Jesuit made me a freak. It's, it's just, it's a pretty cool scene. Um, I like it. Yeah, so he's like freaking out. They kind of go to bed and it cuts to the next morning. Um, oh yeah, they like telepathically know that his dad's dead now. Oh Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, they're able to, to to tell that Duke Leto was killed, and I guess now that would mean that Paul is the head of House Atreides. Um, he had everything he didn't want. <laughs> yeah, and this is where we get that scene where um, 
that we talked about earlier where the uh, where Jessica wakes up in the morning and Paul is like, you need to drink something and she doesn't like the way it tastes and he's like he's like it's recycled sweat and tears from the tent. <laughs> um like, thanks a lot. Yeah, so uh, this is where we see like that desert mouse thing that uh That's adorable. The projector earlier, it's like I I do like how it shows that this mouse has adapted to like sweat from its ears and then drink it. Yeah, I also thought the ears were kind of so good. Listen for sandworms or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I like the touch where it shows that like the the animals that have adapted to the the planet. Yeah. So. Uh, Duncan ends up showing up in a dragonfly to uh, rescue Paul and Jessica. I like the shot, uh, or I like the, the part where he sees Paul and just immediately bows to him, and he's like, "My Lord Duke." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, he he treated him like a little brother. Now it's like he's the he's the head of House Atreides. So, um, so he says that. Uh, Hines has set up a hideout with the Fremen, and uh, yeah, she's able to help um, Duncan, Idaho, Jessica, and Paul. Um, so they they fly there, and like you would think that it's like safe place for now, but uh, so, some somehow the Sardaukars show up there too. I don't know how they knew this was a thing. Like they tracked them somehow, but um. But yeah, it, it it's also funny because the Sardaukars show up and then like most of them are like immediately taken out by by the Fremen who have I guess they've learned ways to hide. Yeah. And they just immediately kill like a bunch of them. But um Yeah, so the uh so so Duncan ends up hearing like commotion outside and like I mean I I guess he kinda knows what's going on and he's like gotta sacrifice myself, which I was upset because he was one of my favorite characters. I was hoping he would, yeah, be in these more. But I also knew how the book went, so his I knew his. I time. felt like I felt like he didn't need to do that. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see like where they go from here because they had like a bunch of like, every big name in Hollywood was in this movie. And yeah, then they killed off like seventy five percent of them. So it's like you got to go through another yeah. wave of like a list actors to go through to be in Dune Part Two. You know? Yeah. Um. Tom yeah. Holland. <laughs> I I don't think he could do this. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think he should probably stick to those like. Bad movies that he's doing. That's the first A-list person I thought of. Leonardo DiCaprio would be good in here. Uh, F- Florence Pugh is supposed to be in part two. Oh she's yeah, she's good. I think she's she's playing the princess, I believe. At least she's been oh, rumored to be in it. I don't think she was officially casted, but that's the rumor. Um. Yeah. So so Duncan kind of just. Uh, Know, sacrifices himself and is like, like he kind of like locks the door behind him 
so that Paul and Jessica can't get out. And he does that like salute thing where he holds the knife at his head and he ends up just taking out a bunch of people, but he's eventually overrun and gets killed himself. So yeah, at least he got most of them. It is a hero's exit. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, Kynes, so she, she gives the Thropter to Paul and Jessica. Yeah, she kind of just assumes that they could fly it. I don't know um, why this particular one only seated two. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was kind of they like, all look the same. Yeah. Kind of just like a convenience thing where it's like we need to separate them. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think her idea was that she was going to ride a sandworm and she was going to let them take the, the thropter. I think that was the idea. She's like... It was a good idea on paper. She's like, <laughs> she's like pounding on the ground and everything and I think she puts a thumper which is some, like something that just keeps the same tempo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Craig just left. Um, the same it's the same tempo and um yeah but as she's um you know as she's about to summon a sandworm uh she ends up getting stabbed in the back i I do like the touch where it shoots out like clear liquid which is like Uh uh, like it's it's not blood it's just like the the liquid from the suit i was very annoyed though when she because of the soundtrack well (laughs) (laughs) that that screaming song pops on as soon as she like almost dies (laughs) yeah I liked her though yeah I did too I think she could have been in the next one Mm -hmm. but she tells the um, the the uh, Sardaukar that she only supports one master, which is the Shia Halud. And she pounds on the ground to attract the worm and good stuff. Sacrifices herself and kills um, all these women. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. Yeah, good for her. Um, yeah, so Paul and Jessica, they have to fly through a uh, sandstorm. Uh, they're, they're almost shot. Mom, and, uh, the way his mom was acting mm-hmm. when he was flying through the storm reminds me of how mom acted when I was first learning how to drive. <laughs> when she's grabbing on to everything. <laughs> yeah. Panicked. <laughs> I could, well, I mean, it is like, why would you expect him to know how to fly through a sandstorm? Uh, this is his first time flying it. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's either get shot by Herkinen or just take your chances in the sandstorm. Um, so Batista uh, ends up telling the Baron who is uh, the Baron is in this like goo bath back on the home planet. Oh yeah, the disgusting bath. It's like, it's like and that bald lady with the black eyes. Yeah, I, I guess the oil is supposed to have like healing powers to help him recover from being poisoned by that tooth or whatever 
see scenes like this, it goes back to the villain thing. Where they would only do that with a villain to show that they're weird too. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean I, I liked it, but I see what you're saying. But or um that they're different. Yeah. Um but yeah, he pretty much tells them like they wouldn't survive the storm, like they're definitely dead. And uh turns out that the uh dragonfly was damaged, but they somehow did make it out. And uh, they just have to walk now. Um, Ugh. So I'm walking through the desert. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're. <laughs> I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but they're about to enter uh, sandworm territory. This is where the iconic sandwalk is introduced. Mm-hmm. Which uh, Stephen will be posting a video on our on our Instagram to. Uh, Teach everybody how to properly do the sand walk. What? It's, it's, the, it's this idea where you have to walk without rhythm. And it just... You know, You're the one that knows how to do it. I mean, we could all learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty much this weird like dance-like motion, just so you don't attract a sandworm. Um, they... They end up walking on a, it's called like drum sand or something. Yeah. But I'm not exactly sure what that is. They don't really explain it. I thought he walked on like a ship or something that was underground. That's what it is. Could either be that or it could be like a trap. Yeah. If they explained it, I totally missed it. But... I don't know. It it it's something that's loud and it, it definitely attracts uh, sandworms. And they're being chased by a sandworm. Apparently, sandworms cannot. They they just don't go near the rocks. So I guess if you're able to hide on the rocks, you're you're good. Um, I guess. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know it. So there, there's this cool shot of the, the Shia Halud staring at Paul, and it's almost like the worm is like kind of saying, like, you're the one. Yeah. But um, I think they kind of like... I like know, that scene, because that's like the first time I see like the full sandworm. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure if... Sandworm stopped because it it was it knew Paul was special, or if it heard the the thumper. It might have been the thumper, because we we learned that the the Fremen have put up a thumper to attract the sandworm away from Paul and Jessica. And um, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the movie. The climax already happened, which was that big uh, invasion war scene. Yeah, but um. The the Fremen capture them. Uh, luckily, Stilgar from earlier uh, recognizes them and stops the Fremen from killing them. Um, they do say that Jessica is too old to learn how to fight, so they have to leave her behind. <laughs> and it's like you're just gonna leave this boy's gonna leave this boy's mom behind, even though she's pregnant, just because she's too old to learn how to fight. And it's uh. It, it, it's funny because they go to grab her and she like immediately is able to disarm them and fight them off. So 
So she already knows how to fight, so she doesn't need that. Yeah, because it's yeah. So it's like they they realize like oh she could fight and then they agree to to take them back to the siege. When she's cool, then we can keep her. <laughs> but um, there's this one guy named uh, Jameis, which uh, is a name that does not fit in with the rest of this cast. Um, yeah. <laughs> he he's like I don't trust these people. They'll have to they'll have to duel me to get in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, this is essentially the end of the movie. I guess Zendaya kind of tells all that uh, um, she wouldn't have. Uh, no, I'm sorry. She she gives him the blade, which is the blade from his dream, and she's like. She says something like, "If you're gonna die, I would rather you die in honor or something." And then she gives mm-hmm. him the, she gives him the the blade from earlier. Yeah, so she thinks he's not gonna survive the battle. Yeah, um, Paul does have these visions of his death, and uh, yeah, it's like if you're gonna die, it'd be an honor for you to hold this special blade while you do it. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this fight scene is interesting because, like we said earlier, there's no like musical score behind it. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of just like punching and like blades hitting. It's it's uh yeah it, it's it's interesting. I don't, I'm curious as to why they did it like that, but I like yeah. it. Though. Um, so we we learned that uh, obviously Paul can fight. So he holds the blade up to Jameis's neck and says, do you yield? And we find out that he's not aware that this is a fight to the death and that you have to uh, kill the other person to win. And Jessica says, like, the son's never killed anybody before. Um, uh, much like the rest of us. And, um, <laughs> right. Um, he keeps trying to get him to yield, but he won't. And it's like this very anticlimactic, like stab <laughs> stab to the back that takes him out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's yeah. Like I said, it's very anticlimactic. He he kills him, and and the fremen are like just quickly or are quick quick to accept him. I should say. Like and, immediately. <laughs> yeah. It's weird how you just let someone kill a beloved member of your group. Then just accept them. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but that's what yeah. they did. <laughs> so uh, Jessica says that uh, uh, they don't need to be accepted. They need to get off world to go back to Caladan. And uh, Paul says that the Emperor put them here, and his father came here for the Fremen and the Desert Power, and they're not going to leave. Pretty much, they're not going to leave until they have conquered. Desert power, yeah, and we see this shot as they're walking away of this this guy just riding a sandworm. It's casually like it's like it's event. normal, <laughs> like it's a normal event on Arrakis. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go ride a sandworm today, <laughs> and I I think uh, Zendaya tells him that that's desert power. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming there's more to it than just riding a sandworm. But um, 
Yeah, it's like that scene of SpongeBob when uh, Sandy's riding the Alaskan bullworm. <laughs> so the uh, the second episode in a row that ties back to an episode of SpongeBob. Yeah. And um, I love this line at the end where it's almost like an episode of a TV show. Um, Zendaya looks at Paul and says, this is only the beginning. And then um, we, we see uh, Paul and Jessica like walking with the Fremen and then the movie ends. It's uh, Zendaya giving us confirmation of a sequel. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Um. Yeah, it would have been awkward if this would if this would have never got part two, but yeah, like imagine saying this is only the beginning, and then it's actually the end, <laughs> and then it and then it bombs in the box office. That's like there. There's a tweet. I forget the company, but they did the Mummy a few years back with Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, they had this photo shoot, and it's like. This welcome to the dark universe or something like that, and it's like has like Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, and whoever else was supposed to be in that universe, and uh, and That's the mummy bo- the, the mummy bombed, and they <laughs> they canceled the entire plans to make a a franchise out of it. The whole universe is just dead. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was uh, <laughs> trying to find it right now. Uh, uh, witness the beginning of a dark universe, and it's like just five actors standing there, and obviously that never took off. So, like nobody witnessed the beginning, pretty much. But uh, but yeah, it was Dune. It's uh, fantastic. One of my favorite movies of the year, uh, last year I should say. Um. Would you be surprised if this wins Best Picture at the Oscars, since we are uh, doing Oscar month? That was... Uh... I think it has like a small chance. We didn't say it at the beginning of the podcast, but the reason we're doing Dune is because it's nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it'll win Best Picture. Um, it's a franchise movie, and they don't really... And I don't know, I just don't think it's... I don't. I don't think it has a chance, but... The tiniest bit of chance. I mean, I loved it. I'd be fine if it won like, pretty much all the awards it's nominated for. I don't know how this movie got nominated for 10 Oscars, but Denis Villeneuve was not, was not nominated for Best Director. Oh. I have no idea, but... Oh, yeah, I'm predicting next week. Um, Yeah, I don't know how many Oscar movies I'm going to watch, but... Yeah. Could drop some predictions and give some thoughts, but, but yeah, um, that was Dune. It's great. I'll watch it. They just put it back on HBO Max. Uh, deserves your money and uh, your attention. It's it's refreshing to see like a director who's so passionate about about a project instead of mm-hmm. just like. You know, people just walking on set of a Marvel movie and just going, doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... I I agree. I loved it. I mean, the cast is 
perfect like second to none you could tell uh like everyone took their role seriously it's it, like I, I mean i feel like this is a, a perfect movie and uh not even exaggerating when I say it. I think this is perfect. It was it it, it was pretty much what I imagined when I was uh, reading the book. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think anybody could have done this better. I I read the book and then I immediately watched David Lynch's Dune, and I was like, yeah, this is nothing like what I was expecting. <laughs> then you watch this and it's like, it's like yeah, that's uh, that's Mary Frank Herbert's Dune. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else on Dune? No, just that everyone should watch it. It does have a long run time, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so here's a question I have It's for not you. quite as hard to understand as you'd think. No, because I thought we were going to have a hard time talking about it. Especially when you watch it the second time around. I'm like, okay. Yeah, this is my third time watching it. Plus, I've read the book, so like, I, I mean, I mean, if if we would have did an episode like after the first time I watched it, I would have no idea what I was talking about. But yeah, same. Yeah, it's um, it it is one of those movies that you have to watch with both eyes, like, you know, like put your phone away and yeah, but um. Yeah, so I, I did have a question that I forgot to ask at the top of the podcast, but um, did you like which do you prefer, this or Blade Runner twenty forty nine? They're um, both like massive sci fi epics by uh, Denis Villeneuve. Probably this one. Okay. I mean, if if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said Blade Runner. But if mm-hmm. you ask me now, I'm I might say Dune. They're just like I don't know. They're they're like peak sci-fi, and I yeah. I think they're both uh, perfect perfect films. I just I don't know. It, it's 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 hard for me to to choose one over the other. Um, today I might say Dune, but tomorrow I might say Blade Runner. I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't seen Blade Runner since we did an episode on it like six months ago or whatever yeah i just saw this a couple days ago so this is fresher so i think i'm gonna go with dune but like i said i'm not even i'm not even 100 percent sure with that answer yeah i would choose dune all right would you like to uh jump into our recommendations yeah <laughs> All right. Would you have to go first? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go like, off topic completely. Because I haven't really watched anything new. But I saw Studio 666. Okay. The other day. It is about the Foo Fighters recording their 10th studio album. And they get sent to this house that is haunted by demons. Did you see that in Movies 8? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. I know it's on... You can rent it for like twenty dollars, and I didn't want to pay twenty dollars for it. So no, it should it'll probably be on streaming soon. But but yeah, it's nothing great, but it's like just like a fun horror movie to turn on mm-hmm. or to watch. Yeah, I was in, it felt I was, like it felt okay. like American Horror Story. Okay, so yeah, like that... you can't take it completely seriously. I'm interested in it because I like um, like the Foo Fighters and I like horror. So mm-hmm. might as well put them together. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm interested. I'll probably check it out eventually. Yeah, it's a uh, fun movie. I feel like Meatball would like it. Probably, we should uh, we should invite her on and uh, do that maybe next month or something. Um. Yeah. Speaking of future episodes, I do have an idea for May. It does kind of tie into this. The Obi-Wan series comes out in May. So I wanted to do Star Wars Episode 1 in May. But we'll see. (laughs) I can tell by your enthusiasm to talk about Star Wars. (laughs) Star Wars is difficult for me. Is Jar Jar in it? Yeah, that's the one he's in. Okay. I'm sold. Yeah, we, we are not big Star Wars fans, but I figured we, we, we would start at episode one and go from there. I'm not a big yeah, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I like characters. Like Yeah, me me too. Darth Maul and yeah, Jar Jar. Episode one is the movie that he's in, Darth Maul. Oh, okay. So my two favorites are in there. I like Darth Vader too, of course. Like, I like, like, I like Ky- Kylo Ren. I hate the Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I like C3PO. Mm-hmm. And R2D2. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so I'm going to recommend uh first of all I recommend the book Dune, but that'd be too easy. Um it's a movie, it's on Tubi actually, so it's free. Um it's called 99 Homes, uh, starring Andrew Garfield and Michael Shannon. Mm. Um uh, Andrew Garfield is like a construction worker who is uh, in some tough times. He gets evicted from his house, and um, and he gets a job uh, working for like the guy who runs the company that kicks him out. It's um, yeah, it 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 it's pretty cool because then he like takes over as the person who kicks people out of their houses, even though he was just kicked out. Um. Yeah, I want to see that. It, it's very um, intense. There's a, like the 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 scene where he gets kicked out of his house is very um, like I guess intense and emotional. I guess would be the words for it. Just recommend Andrew Garfield too. Yeah, he's in a lot of good movies. All right, so we are at uh, over 90% of our recording, so we're running out of time before we have to start a new recording session. Um, oh, yeah. So, so next we'll... week, we are doing Nightmare Alley. Yes. It's our uh, final episode of Oscar month, and then we'll... It's like the most swept under the rug movie on the list, and I haven't even seen or heard of all of them, 
I mean, I've heard people talk about most of them that are nominated. Mm-hmm. But the only person that I've heard talk about Nightmare Alley was Lady Gaga. Oh, because of her connection with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, so we're she doing tweeted that. something about him doing a good job back in December. But nobody ever mentions that movie, so I figured we might as well talk about it. Yeah, we saw it in theaters, so I'm interested in a revisit. So Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We saw it in um, perfect weather too. Like the movie felt good for yeah, the time of year. And we saw it at the end of December and it was cold, so <laughs> um yeah, so we'll do Nightmare Alley next week, another two and a half hour adventure. So hopefully in April we do some short movies because that that yeah, would be it, I'm just gonna do like five short films. <laughs> Give me like an eighty minute slasher film that we'll probably spend more time on than any other movie that <laughs> we'll probably talk yeah. about that more than we talk about Dune. But um <laughs> Yeah, so follow us on Instagram at Santa Mira After Dark. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Santa Mira AD Pod. Uh, through there, you can find our personal stuff, like our social medias. And um, I think that's all, all that, I got. All that shiz. Yeah. We'll Go have ahead. we'll have the lady vocal us out, and curfew is now in session. You know, you know, oh. it, 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 it that was so ironic. It's funny you say that because I have Dune playing upstairs because I always put on a movie so my dogs can. Entertained. I think I was hearing the music a couple times. And as you said that, I heard that song upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you hear it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was that loud, so hopefully that didn't really mess up people's I just experience heard, with this episode. I just heard the music a couple times. There, there were a couple times where I was like, man, it's real loud up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Go ahead and say your name. Curfew is now in session. <laughs> <laughs>